Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Good morning, Numa. How's everybody doing this morning? Did you guys enjoy that worship? It's on point, huh? There's, there's just something going on in Numa. I said this a while back that um, this year, even though it's been a trying year, you see a lot of churches, a lot of businesses, a lot of people that are surviving, right? But Numa, Numa, we are thriving. We are seeing a work of the Holy Spirit in this place. I mean, if you haven't felt it, oh, you will. Trust me, you will. All right, so with that being said, um, it's kind of funny how everything came about, uh, me coming up today, right? Last week, I get a call from Sister Claudia at 5 in the morning, which I did not answer, by the way, so sorry, Claudia. Uh, She was like, hey, you know, I called her back at 7, and she was like, "Um, hey, pastor's not feeling well. Can you fill in? Now, for a musician, you know, who's not as on uh, Ryan's level... You can say that it's a little nerve-working, stepping in on one hour's notice, not knowing the songs. And at first, I'm not going to lie, I was, uh, I was, you know, fearful. I was like, ah, you know what, I don't, I don't want to mess it up for you guys. You know, you guys are on point. And we hung up, and immediately the Holy Spirit just brought a conviction. And let me tell you why. Last year, last year on October 26th, I reconciled with God. And when I reconciled with God, I told him that I would always be obedient to his word. I told him that I was always be obedient to his servants. So I was like, okay, hey, if you, you ask, all right. So I looked at the songs and uh, sure enough, I was like, all right, I, I got this. Holy Spirit, you're with me, right? So, um, you know, get here, we start practicing and, you know, the rest is history in that part. But then Pastor Juan starts to preach and I found out that Pastor Ryan isn't preaching. And I was like, well, I don't know why, but I felt like a boldness from the Holy Spirit to just ask Pastor Ryan. And I was like, all right, hey, Pastor, you want me to preach? I was like, I'll step in for you. He was like, do you have a word? And I said, well, you know, I was always taught by a mentor friend of mine to always have a word. You never know. You just never know. So he was like, uh, you know, no, we're going to let my dad get this. I said, all right, cool. Not a problem. I got your back, bro. I just wanted him to know that I had the support. I was hoping he would say no, but, you know. <laughs> um, but then the next day, I get a text from Pastor Ryan. And if, you got, if you've ever gotten a text from Pastor Ryan, you know it's like one of a kind, right? Because in typical Pastor Ryan fashion, this is what I get. I, I cannot make this up. Sup, bro? Want a pre-Sunday? Got the Rona. I said, oh, man. <laughs> so, so with that being said, you know, uh, let's go ahead and stand up. And we're going to open our Bibles to John, the book of John. I know I still laugh at it sometimes, too. <laughs> so we're going to open up our Bibles to chapter John. And we're going to go to uh, chapter John, book of John, chapter 3. And we're going to be reading from verse 16. Now, for those of you who have been believers for a while, you guys know that uh, this is a well-known verse. And if you've been a believer for a while and you don't know this verse, you know, I'll be praying for you. 
All right, guys. Can I get a strong amen? Like, you know, like you just ate, like you just had some conchas, some huevos a la mexicana. Yeah? All right, awesome. So I read in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it says like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you in the name of your son, my God. Father, we feel your presence. We feel the presence of your Holy Spirit. So I pray right now, my God, that as I preach this word, this word that you have given me, my God, I pray, Father, that you prepare the hearts, the hearts to receive this word, my God, that they may, that this word may fall on fertile ground, my God. We know that there is such a stronghold, that the enemy has such a stronghold over those who are non-believers, Father. And you have called us, my God, to preach your good news, Father. So I pray, my God, that those that are captive right now in the name of Jesus through this word, Father, that you give them freedom, my God. That those captives be set free, my God. We are no longer a slave, my God, but we are free. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for your son, my God. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said? Yeah. All right, guys, you guys can go ahead and have your seat. All right. So once I got the message from Pastor Ryan that I was going to be preaching, you know, one of the first things that you're taught is to seek the Holy Spirit in prayer. You, 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 you want to seek the Holy Spirit because you don't want it to be your word, right? When you do your word, I mean, don't get me wrong, if, if it would have been my word, I would have uh, preached on something that I've been very passionate about, which is the, the, the doctrine of salvation. But I wanted to seek the Holy Spirit. Hey, you give me the word. I, you know, I want you to you know, prepare these hearts. I want, you to, I want it to be your word. And he, right away, I see, you know, I hear the Holy Spirit tell me, tell my people, tell my church that I love them. That I love them. And, I, and furthermore, I not only love them, I love this world. And I started to ask, like, you know, I wasn't trying to be disobedient. It's not that I didn't understand. I, I wanted to know why it is he wanted me to give this word, right? When you look at everything that's going on in this world, you know, there's a lot of corruption. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of wars. There's a lot of famines. You know, so I'm like, okay, you know, like, you know, just, hey, give me to understand a little bit more. I want to understand. And then I see this passage. For God so loved the world. And you can see literally within the first six words that the son's mission here in this world was a consequence of God's love. Furthermore, when you read, for he so loved the world, the word so here, it's not meant the way that we use it nowadays where it's like, oh, I'm so hungry. Oh, man, you know, I want some, you know, I, I, I'm so in love with you. You know, I used to tell my, you know, my wife in the beginning, like, I'm so in love with you. If you guys don't know who my wife is, it's that beautiful young thing over there in the, wearing the black. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's not the same. When you look at the Greek word for so, the, the, the word in the Greek is hutos. Hutos. So when you, when you start to see, okay, you know what? You start looking at the etymology of the word. Hutos actually means in this way. In this way. So now let's go ahead and reread these first six words. We're going to take out so. And it says, for God in this way loved the world. You see that? 
In this way, this isn't just any type of love. We're talking about God's love here, that agape love, right? And he gives us his most precious gift. Why? Why? I I mean, I I wanted to know more. I, I, I wanted to know why. And we look at the world that we live in, and we're living in a sinful world. We're living in a world where mo- there's no longer, uh, there's no moral, no, no moral boundaries. You see things that are going on, and, and, and Pastor Juan brought a, a word this morning that talked about God's great plan. If I would have given it a title, you know, I didn't hear the title, but it would have been that, God's great plan. You see that there's a purpose. So when he gives his son, it's for a purpose, and it is so that we can know salvation through him. Now, Interestingly enough, he sends his son because he is seeking us. He's seeking us. Think about that for a second. Throughout the scriptures, throughout the Old Testament, you consistently see that he is seeking his people. There is nothing, you can't hide from it. He's constantly seeking you. And this brings me to my first point. Because he loves us, he seeks us. So we're going to be doing a little bit of reading today, okay? So don't get too mad. We're going to, we're going to get into the word. The reason I want, to, I want us to open up our Bibles is because I want to show you through the scriptures that I am not lying to you. It's not my words. This is coming from scriptures. Amen? So let's go to John, uh, Genesis 3, please, if you will. So... We're going to look at Genesis 3. We're going to read from verse 6 through verse 9. I want to give you a little backstory, though, of what's going on here. We see in the beginning, in, uh, in Genesis chapter 1, we see the creation, right? Genesis 2, we, we, see, kind of a, we see God giving the, the, the command, hey, you can eat from every single uh, fruit of, this, uh, of these trees, but do not eat from this specific one. Now, in the, in the beginning of chapter 3... You see the serpent come and talk to Eve. Okay? So let's go ahead and read verse 6. And it says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasure to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruits and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now, check this out. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking into the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So we said that this first point was going to be God loves us, he seeks us. Isn't it funny that the first sin introduced in the Bible, you see them hide? And I started to say, okay, well, you know, I get it. You know, they're hiding. The cool thing about this, and, and, and I, don't know if you, I don't know if you guys caught it, but God is constantly seeking his people. He is seeking you. You see, it doesn't matter how deprived you are. It doesn't matter how deep into sin you are. The God that we serve, the God that I serve, the God of the Bible, he is constantly seeking you. You see, he loves you that much. He loves this world that much that he is going to consistently seek us. You can look towards uh, Paul's conversion as well. In, in chapter 8, he's persecuting the church. And in chapter 9, what happens? Jesus appears to him. 
what happens in? You know, he appears to him and, and Saul asks, who are you, Lord? This is the cool thing. The way that Jesus responds is always like, man, just poetry and poetry. He says, it is I, Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Do you guys know what a goat is? Anybody? All right, I'm going to put this in layman's terms because, I mean, I, was, I looked it up and I was like, man, this is kind of long to explain. It's a long, sharp stick, okay? And with this stick, it's used to jab at the hind legs of an ox so that it can move in the direction that you want it to move when you're plowing the field. You see? So what Paul didn't understand here was that he was the ox. Jesus had constantly be, had been goading at him. He was poking at you, at him. Now let me ask you a question. How many times in your life... Have you seen God or you felt God poking you in the direction that he wants you to go? I'm living proof of that. Like I said, a year ago, I went to L.A. not to not to go to church. I don't you know, it wasn't even the last thing. It was the last thing on my mind. I didn't want to go to church. But God, but God in his infinite wisdom was poking at me. And all it took was one question. And for me to say yes, that night. I took on the challenge of the Holy Spirit. And I said, all right, what do you have for me? What do you have for me? So you see, you can never underestimate what God can do with you. You may see yourself as someone who is unworthy, unclean, but I'm here to tell you that, you know what? God, God loves you, and he has not forgotten you. He has not forsaken you. He is there with you. He is seeking you. And that song of the blessing is so powerful. It's so, it's so, so impactful because he is always going to be all around you, no matter how far away you get from him. We have testimonies in the church, in this very church, where we had people who grew up in the church, who straight away, but God brought him back. You see, God is the answer. God is everything. And he's consistently going to seek you. Now, if you want me to further prove this to you, that he, he's going to seek you no matter where you are, I want to tell you a brief testimony. Some of you guys though may, may, may know the testimony who I'm talking about, but you know, let's, let's stay quiet on it. In 1948 in Chennai, India, there was a kid born. Now, I don't know if you guys are aware, but when you guys are born into an Indian culture, it's, it's, it's a very respectful culture. 17 years later, this same kid was told by his father that he was an embarrassment and that he was a shame. Now, in that culture, that's pretty much saying, hey, you know what? You're not worth living. You are not worth living. So he took a bunch of poison. But God... But God said, no, right now is not your time. On his bed of suicide, a man brought a Bible. His mother started to read the Bible, and she started to read from the book of John. She read from John 14, and when she got to the verse 19, it struck a chord with him. Why? Listen to what it says. Because I live, you too shall live. Do you know who that man was? Ravi Zachariah. Ravi Zachariah, has, it was known as one of the most, you know, even 
he, he was taken to different parts of this world where the gospel could not be preached, where the mere mention of Jesus, you would be put to death. But God used this man to get into these places. Why? Because he is seeking those people. He is seeking the world. You see, God did not send his son Jesus to condemn it, but to be saved through it. That right there, my friends. My brothers and sisters, we should just give him a round of applause. Let's give him a clap offering for what he's done. You see, it doesn't matter where you hide. Jonah tried to hide. He was trying to be disobedient. But God told him, no, not yet. So you are going to go to this place and preach my word. Luke 19.10 says, for the son of man did not come, uh, for the son of man came to save Seek and to save that which is lost. Let me say that one more time. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. Which brings me to my second point. God's gift, our Savior. Can you guys say that with me just one time? God's gift is our Savior. To understand this, to understand love... We have to see when it is first mentioned. In the Bible, coincidentally enough, uh, sorry, yeah, in the Bible, you don't see the word love appear in the first 21 chapters. It appears in the 22nd chapter. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I don't know about you guys. I thought I was like, like, what? Are you serious? 22 chapters and you're finally mentioning love? So let's turn to Genesis 22, please. Let me get that strong amen again. Now, in hermeneutics, this is known as law of the first mention. Okay? So, we're going to be reading verse 1 and 2. Now, it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, now, take now your son, your only son. You guys catch that only son whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Did you guys catch that? Do you see what love is? Exactly. Love is a sacrifice. And all the married couples of the church said, It is a sacrifice, guys. It is a sacrifice. The father loves us so much that when he gave his son, he gave him as a sacrifice. You see, the father gave us his very best. He didn't hold back. You know, and I'm not trying to take a jab at anybody here when I say, when I'm up with what I'm about to say, but when you tithe, Do you tithe your very best? Do you? I mean, look, I've said this before. January, when Pastor Ryan brought that word, man, uh, on tithing, it was fire because it brought conviction to my life. I said, man, I got to start tithing. And, but it was the way that he said it. It's like, you know what? When you give, are you giving joyfully and are you giving your best? You see, when God gave us his son, he gave him joyfully. He knew what was going to happen. He knew what was going to happen. You see, this was in God's master plan. 
We needed a redeemer. What we, there, our works could not atone for our sins. It was only the blood of the lamb, the, the blood of Jesus that can clean our sins. This is why we can say that, hey, you know what? I'm unworthy. I'm unclean. You know what? I'm here to tell you that God is telling you that you are worthy. You are so worthy that he sent his son to die for you. You think you're unclean? No, brother. Let me tell you, my son's blood purifies your sins. This is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. When I, when I hear a message on the cross, when I hear a message on Jesus, on everything that he had to endure for my sins, for your sins, it, 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 it brings me to tears. You know, because I think of the, of, of, of the nails going through his hands and his feet, the crown on, placed on his head. And yet him saying, hey, forgive them for they not know what to do. You see, the thing is, he didn't just come to, he didn't come to die for you and me. He came to die for those who were killing him. Can you imagine that? Dying for someone. Dying for someone who is killing you. Dying for someone who other people may seem unworthy. But man, God is so good. God is so good because that blood, that blood that was shed on the tree purifies. It purifies. I don't know about you guys, but the day that I gave my life to the Lord and I truly committed to him and I truly committed to seek what truth was, I truly committed to know who he was and what his purpose for me was on this world was the the first uh, best day of my life. The second best day was the day that my wife married me. And the third was the day that my son was born. Man, that is the love that the father has for each and every one of us. He sees you as worthy. He sees you as clean. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I sometimes I'm a, I'm, I get a little choked up. Now, This leads me to my third point, and it is the promise. The promise. Now, who here loves a good promise? No, I do. I love a good promise. You know, I, I kind of hinted at this with my wife that I was kind of mentioning her, but she, I don't think she picked up on it. And Sister Heather, too, so if she's not here, she's not going to get away from me. A while back when I started my keto diet, they promised me some chocolate chip cookies. I'm still waiting for those cookies, so I'm still holding on to that promise, all right? <laughs> I'm still holding on to that promise. You know, we can even go to, you know, a, a child's promise. You know, you know, I remember when we got our dog, our third dog, Cookie Shark. Now, for those of you guys who are dog lovers, that's great. Honestly, two is good, but three, wow. Uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. I don't know about Sister Damaris. I know she's a dog lover. <laughs> But, but, you know, she, she, she promised up and down, left and right, that she would help clean our, you know, the, the dog's pee, the, the poop. You know, she would feed and, you know, you know, we're still waiting for the completion of that promise as well. A, a consistent <laughs> completion of that promise, right? But the word promise, it, it, it holds a lot of weight, right? It, it, it really does. You think about it, you know. 
be, me being fully transparent here, I have made a lot of promises to my wife that I have not been able to keep every single one of them. I, it's the truth. And what's happened? I've broken her heart because of that. So no matter how many times I ask for forgiveness, I still have to continue to earn that. But promise here, the promise of eternal life, the promise of eternal life, there's something in there. There's something in there. Why? Because when God promises, it's not like any other promise. He doesn't break his promises. He keeps them. Let me say that one more time because I don't think you guys caught that. See, there's some people here that are struggling today with the promises that they read in scriptures. There are some people here that are struggling today because they don't know the God that I'm speaking of. My God keeps his promise. You see that? You see, my God, my God is a way maker. He's a promise keeper. That song works so perfectly. He's a a way maker, a miracle worker, and a promise keeper. Think about that. He makes a way for you. The miracle that that in in all humanity is the transformation of the believer because there are so many people who live in more depravity and they don't know. But then when you get to that that miracle and and they get transformed, man, you can't even recognize this person anymore. Do you see that? How many of you have lived in a life of sin? How many of you have lived where you said, you know what? Man, I just, I can't, I can't. But then you see the transforming power of Jesus Christ and what that does. That's the miracle worker. And then you see him keep his promises. You see, church, the promise of eternal life, it comes with a catch. It really does. Think about it. We read a little bit further. Whoever believes in him. Now, whoever believes in him. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? I'm going to ask Will to step up. What does it mean to truly believe in Jesus? Have you ever thought about that? Because we say it. We profess that we do. But do you really believe in Jesus? Come on. You know what it means? It means to rely, to trust, to hold on to. Do you see that? It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. So long as you're trusting in he who was sent to die for you, don't worry about everything else. You see, the victory is already yours. The victory is yours. See, the enemy thought, the enemy thought that he had won when, cro- when Jesus was on the cross. But you want to see where the first promise comes of Satan's defeat? Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. And let's look at verse 15. Oh, somebody, somebody here already knows. Somebody already knows. They've they seen this promise. All right, verse 15. And it says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. 
he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his feet. Do you know what this caption means? This caption is best caught in the passion of the Christ. Because when Jesus is in that garden and he's praying and he's praying and he's praying to the Father and he says, let it be your will. Thy will be done. He gets up and out comes a snake. And guess what happens to that snake? He crushed that head. Three days after the cross, after his death, what happens? His resurrection. You see, this is why we can say, oh, death, where is thy sting? Do you see that? Now, because I said I wanted to show you with scripture, with scripture, Let's turn to our last uh, book here, and we're going to go to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to be reading from verse 38 through 39. We get a strong amen when you guys are there. You guys are faster than me. I didn't have enough of uh, these little page dividers. <laughs> All right. Check this out. We're actually going to read from 37. Let's start off with 37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You guys ready for this? Are you guys ready? Remember, my message is the power of love. I don't know if it was up there yet. It's perfect message is the power of love let's read 38 for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come no height death no other thing created shall ever be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus there is nothing that can ever separate you my brothers and sisters you see, the message that we have, the reason that why we believe is because nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Do you see that? Now, I want to challenge you. Let, let, let's stand up to our feet because uh, I want to I I put a challenge in you guys right now. I really do. Now, remember, I've said at the beginning... We've seen Numa not survive, but we see, we've seen Numa thrive, right? Are we all in agreement? Let me see a raise of hands. Raise your hands. Are we in agreement? All right. Here's my challenge to you guys. I didn't know about this until this morning, but I thought it fit so perfectly with what Pastor uh, Juan Cantu uh, preached on and then what, with what's going on next week. All right. You guys ready for this challenge? Every believer here, next week is bring a friend to church here's my challenge will you take on this challenge will you bring at least one person to church next week you see this message is not only for the believers this message is not a, a, a for us to remember that we are that we, we are loved by God this message needs to go out and be proclaimed to this world you see what's going on in this world I mean come on you don't have to even if you're blind you can still hear what's going on in this world there is a need there is a strong need for Jesus to be presented 
Do you see that? We cannot be like the one who, who was given a treasure, a talent, and when, when we kept it to ourselves, we can't dig it up. You know, as Sister Claudia said uh, when she preached in her last sermon, it is time to speak up. We need every single believer out there telling every single person what God has done in their life. Guys, let me tell you, there is power. There is power. Jesus said that you will see greater things. We will receive greater power. But you need to be able to believe. Believe in him who sacrificed himself. Believe in him whose blood was shed on that tree. We need the church to stand up in the midst of everything that's going on. This corruption, this, these depravities, it's just, it's heartbreaking. I dare say that if you do not see this, if you don't feel it, there is something wrong. You have forgotten agape, God's love. The last three, when you look at the, the, the other uh, kinds of love, phileo, storge, eros, they all hang on to God's love. That is the thing that links everything together. But we need to be a courageous church. We cannot be fearful. We need a church who can boldly go out and say, hey, I don't know what's going on in your life, but let me tell you what my God has done in mine. Let me tell you that even if you don't think that you are loved, man, my God loves you. He saw you as worthy enough to die for you. Do you see that? Church, will you take on this challenge? Will you be bold and courageous? Or will you, will you give in to fear? Bring a friend. Bring a friend. Bring a friend. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we see our need for you, my God. You put your love on the line for us, my God. You sacrificed it all. You didn't give us a weak gift. You gave us your most prized possession in whom you are well pleased. We need you, my God. We need you. Please, my God. Have your way. Have your way. I pray for each one of you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.